Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. The final hour of power here on this Friday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement. Bonnell Willigan will take you up to 9.45 or so tonight before we dish the rock to Dave Johnson and Glenn Consol, the radio party. we got Wizards basketball on tap here tonight. The fellas continuing their West Coast road trip. They're out in Golden State tonight playing the second half of a back-to-back. The big storyline, though, heading into tonight, is the fact that Jordan Poole making his long-awaited return to the Bay Area, fresh off of the punch heard around the world. We all know the situation that happened last year with Jordan Poole and the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the start here in this Wizards season wasn't the best for him. But here in the last week or so, last two weeks really, we've seen Jordan Poole and, to me, this entire Wizards roster turn a little bit of a corner. I mentioned last night, uh, how efficient he was, I thought, playing the point guard position, and that's the area uh, that I really think he will thrive at the most. Right now, though, I want to bring in our pal Jason Dumas, who covers the Golden State Warriors for KRN4 News in the Bay Area. You can also catch him on 95.7, the game in the Bay. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? But now, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Sound like you're live from the gutter, man. You at Chase Center. I am not at Chase Center. Is it too loud? Do I need to step out? No, you're good. You're good. You're All good. right, good. I'm good. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm actually not at Chase Center. I'm out of town, but ah. I've been locked in on I've been locked in on this Jordan Poole matchup all week. We've been doing a lot of coverage uh, leading up because it's a uh, I want to say it's a special day, but that doesn't feel like the right <laughs> word. It should be a yeah. special day, but it's more of an uncomfortable day because of the underlining way that he left. You know? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I think. Draymond not being in the lineup, I think, makes it a little bit more normal uh, than what we could yeah. be, what we would have expected to see. I want to talk about some of the commentary that we heard this week. In particular, hearing Steve Kerr sound off about the situation, I was honestly taken aback a little bit to hear, you know, how much communication Jordan had had with that side since the incident had happened. You're someone who's obviously, you know, covered this team for a while and been around. Uh, that team when the situation was happening. Are, are you surprised at all to hear, you know, how involved or how and how much communication we've seen between Jordan and some of his former teammates? There's video servicing right now, Jason, of him and Kevon Looney and, and Gary Payton third just powwowing it up before the game, and it's what you like to see. Yeah, yeah. I actually think that was my question that I asked Steve because I yes. asked him specifically. I asked him specifically on Thursday. Because uh, I was just curious. I said, Steve, since he's been traded, or what had your contact been with him since he's been traded? And Steve essentially told me that he talked to him right after the trade went through on the phone. They talked, and then they've texted one another sporadically yeah. uh, between that time and now. And I know Jordan was extremely close with Wiggins, GP2, and – Kavon Looney. Yeah. Him and Kavon Looney were two of the guys on the team from Wisconsin, from Milwaukee more specifically. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I mean, Milwaukee doesn't have a huge contingent in the NBA, so to have two Milwaukee guys there uh, was pretty cool. And it's funny now that there's another Milwaukee guy on the team now, Brandon Pajemski. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so he did have great friends. And Jordan Poole, like, this is what made it kind of tough with him leaving and everything went on. Not only was he really good for them on the court, mm-hmm. specifically that championship season in 2022, but he would, he ingratiated himself with the community. Yes. He, he was very involved in community service and giving back, and he was just extremely popular amongst the fans. The pool party theme just took win like wildfire. Yeah. The, the women love the guy, you know, Jordan <laughs> Poole, Mr. GQ. The guy has, yes, sir. the guy is like in the top 10 in the NBA and like Instagram followers. He was very popular with the women. <laughs> he was very good in the community. Right. He's a personable guy. So like he was extremely popular. Like, honestly, he was probably the second most popular guy on the team after Steph when it just came to yeah. around the league, around the community. So that made it a little weird. So, but that made it weird, not, that he was popular it made it weird how he left yeah so i'm not surprised that he still has a strong pulse with the community i mean his, his personal photographer is a kid from the bay area yeah. he was just a random kid who met jordan Jimenez, who's a great guy Jay from Square. the bay area <laughs> yeah jay squared <laughs> you, you know who shot it that's right. his theme <laughs> so you've seen you've seen you've seen jay's work all over social media yeah. Jay is from the Bay Area. That's like Jordan's best friend. So, like, Jordan has deep ties to the Bay Area now. So, the way he went out, knowing all that context, it was just very unfortunate. Yeah, and I and I, I feel you. And I, I'm honestly not surprised to hear that. I will say this. I've actually, you know, gotten to – Build a little bit of a relationship with Jordan since he's gotten here. We've our big discussions, Jason, are normally over music. He's a big KP Skywalker fan. That's one of our local DMV artists. So he wasted no time ingratiating himself with our community here locally. Are you surprised though at the start that he got off to uh, here at the beginning of this season? I know it's a big time difference being the focal point of opposing team scouting reports, but even from shot selection to body language. Up until really about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was really thoroughly concerned with Jordan Poole. I think he's turned a corner along with the team here in the last two weeks. But are you surprised at all by the start? Because I was shell-shocked. Yeah, I was extremely surprised, man. And I always – my litmus test is always if they are talented and work hard, they will always figure it out. So that's always what I say with Jordan because – you can't question his work ethic. He was in the gym. He gained the veterans' respect so quickly in the Bay because of how much he worked. Right. And then he's extremely talented. So those type of people always figure it out. But, man, I'd be lying if I said it's just I, – I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I can't read people's minds. But just from my naked eyes, I'd be lying if I said something hasn't been different since that incident with Draymond. On the court, it's just, you know, sports is a bunch of, playing sports, almost every sport, but basketball specifically, you need confidence. Right. You need rhythm. And I, I just feel like that incident might have rocked his confidence a little bit. Jordan is a very prideful guy. He's never going to let you know if he's not confident. 
but it, it's just something hasn't been there because 2002, he was so good, man. He was so good. And it's not that he's bad now, but it's, you can tell there's a difference. Yeah, I would say it's almost, I don't know if you're the old, the old movie, Stella got a groove back. But that's what it's felt like here with Jordan in the past week and a half. Something's clicked. Uh, being someone that I, I'm lucky to be in that locker room on a pretty routine basis, I got the opportunity to talk to Ryan Rollins, Jason. I don't know how often you all conversated during his time in the Bay. I know, Ryan, Ryan, we've had some great combos. Yeah, Ryan, just an all-around solid dude. And he was kind of telling me, and I feel like him and Jordan may have been suffering from the same thing at first, coming from that championship environment in Golden State where the standard is really finals or bust, and then coming over to this D.C. locker room where the expectations are completely flipped, you're openly tanking, Ryan's kind of frustrated because he feels like, you know, he should be in the rotation, but he's not. How, how much do you put into perspective just the overall transition coming from an organization like Golden State going to Washington? How much do you think that may have rattled the confidence a little bit? Just- that, it probably has a lot to do with it because Jordan did have to get, like, nurtured yeah. to what he became in 2002. Remember, came into the league COVID year. COVID year was tough for everybody, man. But him, he was thrown into the lineup, a really, really bad lineup. By the numbers, he was one of the worst players in the NBA his rookie year. He comes back that second year, and it's like that post-COVID year where you're still kind of dealing with COVID. Like, the fans aren't really in the stands. And that was like one of those Warriors teams that wasn't good, wasn't terrible. It was like middle of the round. But Jordan still wasn't that great. They sent him down to the G League. Hmm. And he went to that little G League bubble and just exploded. Then he came back to Golden State in the last 15 games of the season. Golden State went like 13-2, and had a strong run into the play-in. They eventually lost to the Lakers on basically a buzzer beater to LeBron. And then they lost another one-possession game to Memphis, and their season was over. But Jordan finished that season strong. It was that first year to play him. And then the next year, that's when he exploded. The Warriors start 18-2. and two. He's starting because Clay is out. He has all the confidence in the world. But my long-winded point, mm-hmm. they had to nurture him up to that. Like, I do feel like Jordan kind of needs a support system. He needs people in his ears. I don't know if he's the guy who can lead a franchise by himself, lead at least the turnaround portion of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I just don't know if that's him, his personality, his his maturity. But if you get him in a system where he has confidence, he has vets around him, and he's kind of in a more structured environment, the sky can be the limit for a guy like Jordan. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, Jason. We all know how talented he is. But just like any superstar in pro sports, man, it's all about your surroundings and what type of environment that you're able to grow and come up in, man. So – we will see a lot of basketball left to be played. I actually expect him to go crazy tonight. He's kind of heated up here over the last week or so, Jason, so we'll see what happens. I appreciate you giving me some time as always, my man. Enjoy the vacation. Hey, of course, man. And, yeah, I saw they were giving out the Jordan Poole T-shirt. <laughs> he's going to have a lot of he's gonna have a lot of fans in attendance. And uh, a little birdie told me there will be a nice little video montage. Ah, well, I love to hear that, Jason. Appreciate you giving us some time, my man. We'll do it again soon. Hey, Linnell, love what you're doing, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir, my man. Jason Dumas.
absolutely one of the best. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Reports on the old X app, sideline reporter for the G League Warriors uh, as well. You can also catch him on 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Washington Wizards. They're in Golden State tonight taking on the Warriors. What does it mean for Jordan Poole? That's next on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Wizards basketball coming up at 945 right here on The Fan. I told you we had some local college hoops action. Georgetown suffering a 30-point loss to Marquette. They fall 81-51. Maryland and UCLA uh, doing battle right now. I'm trying to pull the score to that real quick. Uh, Maryland right now on the road up 15-8 in the early portions of the first quarter. Wizards basketball coming up at 945 on the fan. When we get back, though, my conversation with NFL insider J.P. Acosta. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 945 tonight. Right now, though, we're joined by our pal J.P. Acosta of SB Nation to take a big picture spin around the National Football League. JP, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir, man. Love talking ball with you, especially after seeing your tweets. JP, I'm not trying to gas you up, my dog. You, in terms of your football acumen, I don't know if you what level you played at. I played a little bit of college football before I blew my knees out. But your football acumen, man, is amongst the best on Twitter, and every time you tweet about ball, uh, you definitely get my attention, man. So keep up the good work for sure. Thank you so much for that. It kind of it makes me feel good, especially when, as a kid, my mom would get mad at me for drawing football plays <laughs> in my notebook when I should have been asleep. So right. that's what I'll attribute to how much I know about football, too. Yes, sir, man. I think you do a hell of a job. Uh, this past week, coming out of Week 15 in the NFL, it was a crazy one, to say the least. I want to start with last Saturday's games and then kind of preview this Saturday's games. First of all, kudos to the NFL giving us three Damn good games last Saturday, all of them having playoff implications. The one that surprised me the most, Indianapolis knocking off the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-13. to We obviously know the struggles that Pittsburgh has had offensively. They're going to turn to Mason Rudolph this week. What do you think and what do you make of what's going on in Pittsburgh? There were some rumors this week. I don't want to say rumors, but Ryan Clark stirring the pot saying that Mike Tomlin should try to ask out uh, of Pittsburgh. What have you made of that from Mason Rudolph on Saturday? It feels like regression has hit this team midway through the season. You know, they started off six and three, seven and three, but all those games were very uncomfortable twelve to ten wins where the defense was playing out of their mind. And then Kenny Pickett would make one great throw to George Pickens a game. But regression has kind of hit the injuries to the defensive uh, to the defensive side of the ball have been horrendous. But mainly it's just the offense. And there's just something about Bad football on one side of the ball negatively affecting an entire Yeah. Because with this defense, despite how good it seems, like on paper, the defensive line has still played fairly well. 
They don't really have that much talent in the secondary. Joey Porter Jr. has played fine as a rookie, but they don't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of depth. And when you're out there all the time because your offense is constantly putting you in three and outs or they're turning the ball over, you just get tired. Like, you just loot, you run out of gas at the end of games, and it just feels like this Steelers team has run out of answers. They've run out of gas. This is not a talented team on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and if you talk to some of the crazy fans of Steeler Twitter, JP, and it's a crazy place, toxic place I might add as well, the blame seems to fall at the feet of head coach Mike Tomlin. Now, as a lifelong commander's truther, I understand how much a, a good head coach matters. We've had a guy standing on the sidelines with his arms crossed the last four years. So I can appreciate Mike Tomlin and the stability that he's kept there in Pittsburgh. In terms of their 7-7 seven and seven record and their inability to get over the hump here in recent years, how much do you blame Mike Tomlin for this? I guess if we're doing it by percentages, I would probably say about 40 45% is Tomlin's fault. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because how much blame do you place on Tomlin for the roster construction is the first thing. Yeah. Because this is just not this is not a talented roster. They have flip-flops on quarterbacks. They've missed on Kenny Pickett. They've not stacked together an, a competent quarterback room at first. <laughs> not a, it doesn't have to be a good quarterback right. room. It's not competent. Like, you're now on Mason Rudolph, and we've seen Mason Rudolph play football. You are not moving anybody by playing Mason Rudolph. The offensive line is still up and down. They addressed that with Broderick Jones, who I think has played really well at right tackle. But the offensive line is still going through ups and downs. But how much – this team is still reeling from the effects of having Matt Canada as their <laughs> offensive coordinator for the last three years. And that falls on Mike Tomlin. You know, you cannot consistently try to win games while your offense scores 10 points a game. But it's really cool because the defense is playing their butts off, but you cannot consistently win games with an arm tie behind your back. And that's what Mike Tomlin was trying to do. He was trying to – so, you know, in video games, when you complete the main story and now you're just going around (laughs) doing side quests or upping the difficulty every time, Mike Tomlin is upping the difficulty. And he doesn't really have to. You don't have to keep Matt Canada around this long. You can go and get a different quarterback, you know. So I feel like some of this goes on to falls at the feet of Mike Tomlin, but it just depends on what side you are on when it comes to how much has Mike Tomlin had an influence in both the roster construction and the coaching acquisitions. Just want to draw my line in the sand, JP. If Mike Tomlin somehow becomes available, I, they, I said it earlier, they can give me away. If it takes me leaving D.C. Oh, for Mike absolutely. Tomlin to get here, sayonara, folks. I mean, it would be a franchise-altering move if Washington could get him here uh, in our nation's capital. We're joined right now by J.P. Acosta, who covers the NFL for SB Nation. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore J.P. I enjoyed the feature that you did, that you did on Motion, my friend. You really highlight that that Kyle-Mike Shanahan coaching tree I want to talk about what we're seeing with the Miami Dolphins because I feel like they are like the the B version of what we're seeing. And I, and I know they're amongst the best with the motion, but in terms of how legit they are as a contender in the AFC, I look at the Dolphins and the Lions very similarly. Two teams that have good records, but I consider them very fraudulent. When you look at Miami and how they have to finish out the season, am I a crazy person, JP, for saying – I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. 
So I don't think you're a crazy person because that schedule for Miami is really tough. You yeah. got to play Dallas this Sunday, Baltimore next Sunday, and then you finish in Miami with the Bills. But I do think this Miami team is going to be legit wherever they fall in the playoffs. The defense has come around massively since yes. the beginning of the season, which every Vic Fangio defense kind of comes around as the season goes along. But you can see the uh, wheels starting to turn for this defense in, and under Vic Fangio. It's been really cool. Like I said, I love this Mike McDaniel offense. It's an offshoot of Kyle Shanahan and what they, what they try to do. But like I highlighted in the story, it's more about vertical displacement. You want to get everybody thinking you're going to run past them, so you drop every field, and then they just sneak a guy behind in like the 10 to 15-yard area. You think about all of Tua's great passes, not, not the deep throws, but the routine ones. It's always 10, 15 yards over the middle of the field. Middle of the field is the most valuable part of an NFL field because it's an easier throw to make. It's right in front of you, you know? So I love what the Dolphins do offensively when it comes to that. My only question would be they have, even under Mike McDaniel last year, they have had a really, really bad, bad penchant for not being able to get the short yards. Yeah. The third and twos, the not fourth and short. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how come. I think it's because off the offensive line has been kind of in flux the last few yes. weeks. I think the last practice report I saw had every starter on the offensive line on the injury report, which isn't great when you play <laughs> Dallas. Right. But it's just I wonder how much of that offense is so built for first and ten or second yeah. and eight and their inability to get those short yards. Like, is that because sometimes the play calling kind of stinks? Right. There's a video of Mike McDaniel uh I loved it by the during way. Hard Knocks this year saying, Yeah, yeah, my play calling has been trash and he highlighted a third and goal or a second and goal where he threw a fade. You know, you don't you don't have to always throw a fade on third and goal or second and goal, or you don't have to throw the ball on third and two. Right. If you have an ability to run the ball and get those get those tough yards, that's going to make such a major difference in the playoffs. Because even if if they don't get a home game in the playoffs, you're going to have to go someplace cold. Mm-hmm. And we. I know that weather kind of gets uh, poo-pooed in terms of how we discuss football games, but that's important. It's real. Because as someone who has played football in the playoffs when it was cold, it hurts to tackle somebody <laughs> when it gets cold. Like, you don't want to keep doing right. that. So I think I worry a little bit about their short yardage ability, but, man, they are just such a problem with the motion yes. and the speed and all the things that they throw at you, especially with – Raheem Moster and Devin Achan in the game, they just throw so many different things at linebacker. It makes it so hard to defend them. Quick, quick nugget for you here, JP. Tim Boyle, Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, Daniel Jones, Sam Howell, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert. That's the list of quarterbacks that the Dolphins have beat this year. So I'm a little bit antsy about their defense. We'll see uh, how they fare against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys coming up on Sunday. JP, I'll let you go on this, my friend. I am geeked up for Monday Night Football. Ravens and Niners. Here locally, we have a tendency to be biased toward the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to flat out come out and say it. I think this is a Super Bowl preview. I love the way Lamar handled that question at the podium this week. Do you expect him to continue to be able to continue this magic that we've seen uh, the past couple of weeks? Or do you think the Niners are too much uh, for the Ravens? I think I expect Lamar to continue his individual play. 
I worry a little bit about the Ravens, especially because the way you want to beat this 49ers defense is throwing the ball on the outside. You have to have guys on the outside that can beat their corners. Because if they don't respect you and your ability to beat them downfield, they'll just shrink the field. It's like when you're playing – when you play against great defensive soccer teams and they can just shrink the midfield, if they don't respect your ability to go over the top of their heads and get into the, mid, the deep third of the field, they're just going to keep shrink, shrinking and constricting you, and you're basically not playing your game anymore. That's how they – when we say, like, aggressive defense, we normally think blitz and playing a lot of man. Well, no, this is their version of an aggressive defense. If they don't respect your ability to beat them downfield, they'll just keep constricting you until you're settling for two-yard completions on every first down. So I think Lamar's ability to extend plays as a runner is going to be huge because there is no athlete. (laughs) There's very few athletes in the NFL like Lamar Jackson with the ball in his hands. I think there's going to be such a fun game to see how the 49ers front seven kind of goes up against a guy that they really haven't seen before in Lamar Jackson. Like this, I guess the only good comparison that they've had this year. I mean, you can't even say they had a good comparison, maybe Kyler in terms of his ability as a runner, but that was Kyler after he came back from injury. This is peak Lamar Jackson. Like this is super Saiyan Lamar. (laughs) So I'm really, really excited to watch this game. I think the most important person on the field on both sides of the ball is going to be Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Yep. I think the best way to defeat this 49ers offense You have to have two linebackers who can move and cover ground. And those, if Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL, Roquan Smith is second. And the way that he's played has elevated the level of the Ravens' defense. They are going to have to play the best games of their careers against a Niners team and an offense that, like we said before, they live over the middle of the field. They want to make that their home. It's going to be huge. We saw some of the issues the Niners had during the stretch of play well, they got lit up by Kirk Cousins. They ended up getting lit up by Joe Burrow. So we'll see if Lamar Jackson and company can replicate those offensive game plans. JP, appreciate you giving me some time, as always, on a Friday night, my man. Enjoy yourself. No problem. Thank you. Happy holidays. That's going to do it here for this Friday night edition of Overtime. If you want to keep the conversation going with me on Twitter, it is at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Wizards basketball coming up next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 